So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection Now, with your hosts, Jean Victoria Norlock and Rick O'Shields, bringing your inner life to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of Everyday Connection Now. I'm still Rico Shields and far to my north. In the Quartz Crystal Mountains, we have Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean? I'm better. It's, it's been so better? cold here, like freakishly cold. And But I got really good news. Um, I'm going Halloweening for the first time in years tomorrow, and so that's going to be weird because I hate being cold. But apparently the temperature is supposed to go up, 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 up for tomorrow night, so I'm all excited. Special just for you. I won't suffer too much. I guess Mother answered my answered my prayers. There you go. There you go. <laughs> These things happen. I was talking to someone on the phone just before the show down here, and uh, they They've been out of town for most of October because October is the height of the winter, which winter here means rain, summer means no rain. It doesn't really follow the calendar much, but um, October is the month that usually just rains like it's raining tonight for a week. And um, but we've had a beautiful weather. And she said, apparently all have had beautiful weather. I have no earthly idea why that would be. And I said, well, it's because I'm here. I phoned ahead. <laughs> I'm Absolutely. glad you laughed. She didn't always call the universe ahead and 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 put your request in. You know, yeah, <laughs> make sure you call ahead. They'll they'll accommodate all of them again. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. George yeah. is is a great concierge. Oh, absolutely, absolutely one of the best, and a great scheduler and executive producer and travel guy. <clears throat> Everything else, absolutely. So I can honestly say that I don't know what to banter about other than the weather tonight. I haven't checked out the news. I haven't really done much of anything. And maybe that's banterable material, but um, <clears throat> I think I posted earlier a word of the day that kind of sums up my mood or my state of being today, which is lackadaisical. Ah, yes, a little lackadaisical <laughs> she is. Yes, I was uh, sitting in my house going, why do I want to do nothing? And then I remembered that, that great wisdom that we've been working on trying to tap into in the past year of that when when you're supposed to do, when you feel like doing nothing, just do nothing because nothing miraculously somehow, if you can be still long enough, always leads to something. 
So that's what I'm doing today. That's right. And maybe our guest tonight is the something that the nothing was leading to. Could be. Who knows? And, I guess we'll see. And you have soon. to remember that, that nothing really is something. Uh, certainly, you know, sometimes for our bodies and, you know, my body was just like not having it today. And I was going to, you know, Bob's back open. The, the Road Shack Deli's back open and I hadn't been there. He's been gone for like a month and I hadn't been in there. And uh, so I was going to go today and the body was like, uh-uh. so I took it to bed, which is where it seemed to want to be. And it seems to have worked out. I feel great. Right? So, you know. Me and, too. Uh, I feel good tonight. Today was very, bleh. but tonight I'm good. Yeah. Must be show night. Yeah, well, it does that sometimes, you know. Having a show Absolutely. just tends to perk us both back up. And that's a good thing. So I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to find out if the guest is the something that my nothing is leading up to. So shall we bring him on so we can talk to him and find out I think so. I, who the mystery man is. Um, and uh, we didn't even get a chance to explain to him how it is that you come to the show knowing absolutely nothing about our guest. I try to know a little something, but uh, Jane brings the not knowing perspective and the the. I know it's a man. Audience perspective, yeah, yeah, um, and an author, a speaker, um, an international business consultant, and then something that um, might relate to books or something called Zentrepreneur. John J. Murphy, how are you, John? I'm great. Thanks, Rick. Thank you, Gene. I'm, I'm glad to be here with you guys tonight. Welcome, welcome. Zentrepreneur, that has me curious. So we're going we're gonna to have to go into that. But before we do, first I need to know the most important thing. Who on earth are you and what do you do? Well, I'm something from nothing. <laughs> Uh, to, uh, to, oh, he went there. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Just to tie in with your theme of the night or the day. Um, anyway, uh, well, I'm. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say I'm an entrepreneur in that uh, um, I like to take good ideas and and uh, a perspective of health and well-being, the Zen, if you will, um, uh, a feeling of being present and uh, in the now, and then doing something with it. And that's the entrepreneur. So when we take Zen and entrepreneur and put those two very powerful practices together, we get the Zentrepreneur, um, which I believe uh, exists within all of us. We all have ideas. We all have an interest in, in feeling good and, 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 and uh, balance and wealth and health and prosperity and joy and, uh, and giving something to the world, um, and we all have the ability to act on that. We all have the uh, capacity to take risks and take ownership and, and do something. So we all have a entrepreneur within us, and the secret then is to uh, get out of our own way and uh, and allow that spirit, if you will, that the entrepreneur is really just our spirit seeking ways to manifest itself and express itself. So we have to sometimes get out of our own way to allow that to be. That's who I am. <laughs> and that is 
a brilliant, brilliant gift to be offering to the world because one of the most challenging things I believe in our industry, I'm also an author, um, and of course with the radio show, is how do you marry the divine spiritual essence of humanity and the message that goes along with the knowledge of it with practical everyday business practices. And it's something that people struggle with a lot. Well, yeah, and they struggle with it for different reasons. So one of the first steps is to find out the reasons. And uh, the most common reasons are things like fear and uh, insecurity, doubt, um, resistance. I always say it's like people going through life with the brakes on. Uh, You wouldn't drive your car that way. It wouldn't make any sense. You know, it wouldn't be efficient, wouldn't be safe, uh, wouldn't be economical. Um, So why would you go through life with the brakes on? Um, And people often say, well, I I didn't realize I had the brakes on. Um, I didn't realize I was afraid. I didn't realize I was resisting. Because a lot of it's subconscious. We don't even realize we're doing it. Um, But when you step back and you really examine uh, the way we we behave as human beings, um, we we often... um, resist uh, taking taking risks. We resist speaking up sometimes. We resist um, accepting new ideas. We yeah, even resist uh, building, you know, more and more relationships with people. We fall into little cliffs and we start to close the door. So, you know, spirit wants to express itself. Spirit wants to grow and meet new people and try new things. And be creative. That's, that's what the spirit's all about. And um, how often do you hear people say, "Well, I'm not, I'm not the creative type. Uh, I'm not creative," or um, "I'm not, I'm really not entrepreneurial. Um, I don't take risks." Um, I like to ask people, "How'd you get to, how'd you get to work? How do you do anything? You, you have to take risks in life. You can't just do nothing um, all the time." So it's within us. And the secret is to recognize that and then start to identify, well, why do I have my foot on the brake? Why, why, why don't I try new things? Why don't I step up? And usually what we uncover is, is fear. So then the next step, of course, is identify where is that fear coming from so that we can begin to let it go. At the end of the day, this is all about letting go. Like to let flow. We really want to achieve flow in life, prosperity, health, balance, well-being. Uh, we have to let go of certain things. And um, because life is meant to flow, it's not like a, a blade of grass has to try to grow green or an oak tree has to try to turn into an oak tree. It's supposed to. It's natural. And so growth is a very natural process, as is change. You can't not change. So the secret then is to recognize, well, that's just life and I can either resist it, put my foot on the brake, and try not to grow old and try not to age and try to protect myself and play it safe. And all we do when we do that is we entrap spirit. And then we we struggle. So, you know, what I teach and, and write about is, is, is how to take your foot off the brake and, and be free.
which is like which is free. very cool. We like free, but it sounds like there was some of that change thing in there, and that's that's that. Oh yeah, no change. We don't. Oh no, no change. That could be a big resistance uh-huh. right there. That could be change. You got. You mean you got to have change to have change? Oh my goodness. It's scary. Change well, is scary. Yeah. Well, you, well, that's a perception, you know. Um, what about uh, pay raise? Would you like a pay raise? You know, and the answer usually is, well, sure, that doesn't sound that. Well, that's a change. What about changing your clothes? What about changing your diet? You know, what you eat every day. What about, um, you know, changing? Uh, the, 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 the reality is everything's changing, and we just don't appreciate it. You know, if you stop and you think about it, the, co- the co- very common phrase that people resist change is nothing factual. There's nothing factual about it. It's, it's an assumption. It's a belief that's not true because people are changing every second of every day. Physically, mentally, emotionally, we're changing all the time. We're aging. Um, we're learning. We're growing. And uh, so change is the most natural thing in the world. I, you know, when you stop and ask people, did you realize that you're actually hurling through space at 68,000 miles an hour, spinning on a ball at 1,100 miles an hour, okay? You'd never guess that because it's an illusion. I mean, to think that we're still, that we're not changing. And uh, these illusions, which we take to be true, I mean, you can stand and look out the window and, and swear by the data that the, world, that the world's flat. And we know better. It's not flat. But the data can be very misleading. So when people jump to that conclusion that, yeah, everybody exists, resists change, don't, duh, duh, you know, don't you know that? I like to challenge paradigms like that, you know, like uh, assumptions and beliefs like that, because it's uh, that out-of-the-box thinking that really chans- you know, reminds people that, you know, maybe that's not true. Maybe I am creative. Maybe I do have the ability to change. Maybe I can take my foot off the brake and, uh, and experience life in a very different, very exciting kind of way. But as soon as we start to believe that we're not creative, that we, that change is scary, change is um, painful, or whatever uh, labels we give it, um, we're putting ourselves in a box. And uh, it's that box that I like to help people get outside of. And I, I'm I'm really curious. You, you're coming along at just such a wonderful time, and because you know nothing about me, I know nothing about you. So so I might at some point here put you on the spot a little bit, just check and see just how good you are at what you do. But my first question would be coming from the perspective of somebody who's been doing this show a really long time and talking to a lot of people, what would you find more challenging, taking a business-oriented person and showing them their creative side or taking a creative, artistic-type person and showing them that they can, in fact, be an entrepreneur, they can do business, they can do marketing, they can do promotions? Well, I work with both all the time, every day. I work with, I'm working with a business today uh, with 60,000 employees. You know, it's billions and billions of dollars of sales all over the world. And uh, I'm helping them be more creative and innovative because uh, it's a company that's become somewhat complacent. 
and the world is changing. The world is changing. Um, and new technologies arise, and you know that. I mean, you could pull out your cell phone oh, yeah. from 10 years ago, and people will laugh at it. I go, what is that? You know, and, and, and 10 years ago, these cell phones were showed off at major sh- global shows as the greatest thing, the newest invention, invention on the planet just 10 years ago. And now you got people going, well, yeah, but it can't do GPS, and it can't do... Uh, emails and it can't be, it's got a flashlight, it's got a compass, it's got a calculator. You know, 10 years ago, it was just a wireless phone and uh, you might be able to do text with it. Today, that's, that's a joke. That's how fast things are changing. So I, the, the, my job as a, as a business consultant is to help companies stay out in front, uh, you know, on the leading edge, if you will, with creativity and innovation so that they don't become the next, you know, blockbuster video that was great, you know, one time or the next Borders books or the next Kodak or, you know, so many of these great companies that just suddenly got, teams got blindsided. So we, yeah, I teach creativity and innovation to companies that may have uh, relaxed their bit. By the way, it was creativity and innovation that, that got them started in the first place. Every company starts with a creative spark and an entrepreneur and an innovative spark. Somebody saying, I've got an idea that I can sell to the world, market it, and it's where every company starts. So there's that, there's that component of it. Well, yeah, we've got to teach creativity to the, you know, the left-brain businessman, so to speak. Uh, but to the right-brain artist, to the right-brain intuitive, creative person, um, can can we teach organization and structure and discipline? Yeah, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, it's balance. It's the whole yin-yang balance that allows us to be healthy. If the body is not balanced, it's not healthy. So imbalance causes all kinds of problems. Dis-ease causes disease. So we have to seek some form of balance. Now, the easiest way to do that, depending on our personality types, is to find people that offer that that counterbalance, so to speak, that support. So, you know, the Steve Jobs of the world, you know, the Bill Gates of the world, uh, the Jeff Bezos of the world, the founder of Amazon, very innovative uh, and successful uh, person. They find uh, all of these guys. They find uh, a healthy counterbalance. They recognize that, you know what, I don't know it all. I need to build a strong team. And so I teach teamwork because at the end of the day, if we can't pull together and find solutions together that are win-win, um, things start falling apart. We see it in politics. We see it in um, countries. You know, we see it in families. If we can't pull together, uh, we start uh, falling apart. So um, that requires a, a combination of right and left brain creative, intuitive, um, abstract thinking, context, as well as content. So we've got to have the facts and the data and the analysis and the logic, and we have to make sense out of it all. So it's really at the end of the day about balance, and that's what the Zentrepreneur is is doing. That's what the the wise and successful leaders are doing is they're figuring out, um, you know, what data do we need to be smart and intelligent uh, and resourceful, 
and then what can we do with it to, uh, you know, make a positive difference. I'm really glad that you brought up the teamwork because it's not so long ago that I would very quite boldly and bluntly look people in the eye and go, I don't do marketing. I don't do business. And, but in recognizing that that was literally stopping me in my tracks as far as progressing in my career as an author, I thought, well, that's not the right way to look at it. And I realized that it's not that I don't do it or that I can't do it. I'm not passionate about it. So I switched up my game plan and I started reaching out to people who were really good at it and really passionate about it. And their passion with regards to marketing and promotions and business lit a fire in me. And it prompted me to become more involved. And so I, well, I sure, you're developed in a short time yeah. a, a liking for it, which is why I asked the question because so many people out there are really struggling um, with, with the concept of blending the left and the right brain. And if you are the artistic, creative type who just doesn't want to do that part of what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur, then find a partner, find a team, and, and work with them. So I'm really glad you mentioned it because yeah. it's so important for people to realize that they don't have to do it alone. Right, and because there's, there's so many, as she was saying, people out there that just have incredibly genius ideas, but they don't ever, they, they don't know how or they think they don't know how or are unable and they, and so these genius ideas really never grow to fruition and or they they play with the idea long enough that they finally see somebody else doing it and they think well i had that idea first or whatever uh, how is that you know such incredible ideas that could just be real game changers that just fizzle well exactly now you're talking about the entrepreneur part of entrepreneur you know, the Zen thought, of course, is I've got these great ideas. I've got these brilliant um, opportunities. Uh, you know, and, and we all we all actually have those. We are we're gifted with the ability uh, to come up with just amazing ideas. By the way, these ideas don't even have to be our own. <laughs> you know, somebody could share an idea with you. I've had a lot of people share ideas with me over the years. You should write a book on this, or you should write a book on that. So I do. Yeah, I've written 16 books, and all the ideas weren't mine, but they offered them to me, and I listened, and I acted on it. So that artist on the street, you know, I was just speaking at the, the New Life Expo in New York City this weekend, and, uh, you know, you walk down the streets in New York, there's artists all up and down the place. And guess what they're doing? They're marketing. Now, they might not call it that, but let me tell you something. If you're out on the street and you're trying to sell a painting or a sketch or get somebody to sit down to do a caricature, or you're jumping around and dancing in a Pluto costume. It doesn't matter. You're trying to, uh, you're marketing something. You know, you're selling. So then the, the question becomes uh, recognizing that uh, we live in uh, a market and, and people are looking for value and willing to pay for it. Um, we are looking for solutions. We're looking for, for things that we like, whether it's a painting or a, entertainment, form of entertainment or whatever. And uh, so once we recognize that there are ways 
to take our creative expressions and market them successfully. And if it's not something we like to do, because you're right, Gene, you know, it's not like we like to do everything. All right, I don't like doing my taxes. I, you know, <laughs> I do them, but I don't exactly like it. Um, <laughs> and if I don't want to do them, I hire somebody else who does like to do it. That's, that's part of teamwork, right? We, we, uh, we build on our strengths and our core competencies and our gifts and our talents. And we recognize that uh, no matter what those talents are, they're only a piece of the puzzle. So creating the beautiful work of art is a piece of the puzzle. But the whole puzzle requires that people know about our art. And they, uh, they have easy access to buying that art so that there's a, a yin-yang balance, an exchange. So um, without the exchange, the process is empty. You know, so I can draw pictures all day long or paint pictures all day long or sing in the shower. But if I don't actually find a, a, a way to connect it with other people, to exchange it, the relationship's dead. And the entire universe is about relationships. All right? The entire our life is about relationships. So the more we can build relationships and exchange win-win uh, solutions, you get the painting and I get the cash for the painting, and I take the cash and I create more paintings. It's a circular, dynamic, win-win uh, exchange of energy, which is why money is called currency. It's a form of energy. And once we understand that money is just a form of currency, a, a form of energy, and that it's not evil, it's not bad. Uh, and Thank in fact, you. That's a, that's a, a, I was just going to say, some people go through life with their foot on that brake. Well, I, I don't deserve money. I don't want money. I don't need money. I just, it's like they go through life with the poor artist paradigm in their head. That's what they manifest, the poor artist. It, it's so true. It's something that I struggled with early on because my first book was written about spirituality and religions and I was spending a lot of time diving into Christianity and so that whole belief system around money is the root of all evil really kind of sucked the wind out of my sails and it took a long time for me to recognize that it is just a form of energy and the world runs on an exchange of energy and if I'm not honoring that, then I'm not honoring yeah. myself, my purpose, and my my artistic creation. Well, yeah, you're blocking the exchange of currency. You're actually creating a barrier. So, I mean, it isn't, you know, you, you know there's a, a big difference between money is the root of all evil and greed is the root of all evil. You know, money is different than greed. And, um, and, and you know, so it's, it's it's more about um, allowing flow. I like to use the word flow. So we've got information flow. We've got uh, relationship flow, love flow, spiritual flow. But we should have prosperity flow, money flow, cash flow. All right? Flow is a positive thing. It's, it's, it's you know, if you, if you study the Tao Te Ching at all, the great Tao is the great current, the great flow. And when we understand the Tao and the life force, it's all about flow, spiritual flow. 
and we take that foot off the brake and we just allow flow to take place in our lives, people to flow to us. It's the law of attraction. We allow relationships to flow, love to flow. Um, we, we become less guarded, less fearful, uh, more open, more available to source energy. We just open it up and allow flow. This is running by letting go. We have to let go to let flow. And when we allow that flow to happen, these synchronicities happen all the time. I mean, every day what we used to think were just weird coincidences, they're not coincidences. Everything happens for a reason. And when we take the foot off the brake and we open up and we, and we surrender, so to speak. Now, a lot of people think of surrender as a form of weakness. Surrender is a form of strength. When we surrender to higher will and we, and we, and we let go of our own uh, ego will, if you will, that um, my way or the highway, and that resistance, you know, it's just a form of ignorance, actually. When we let that go and we actually trust in a higher power and we trust in our true self, not our false identity or our false, you know, ego, but our true self, our higher self, our spiritual self. It's amazing what happens. I'm, I'm, I'm astonished every day. <laughs> it's amazing what happens when we truly learn how to let go. Yeah, we, we've talked about it. I don't want to, you know, bore our audience, but um, I came down here about five months ago to Costa Rica. It was clear to me that was the next step on my journey was to come down here and and uh so i did and and maybe it's easier for people in that context of you know well of course you acted like you didn't know anything because you didn't know anything but but i was open some of the biggest um sort of strokes of luck if you will uh that i've had in this this part of my journey have been those synchronistic moments where someone you wouldn't expect, you wouldn't go to that person and say, listen, I have this problem. Can you help me solve it? You know, sometimes it's the sandwich guy or the person behind the counter. They just, they say something or, or in my case, I was really, I was looking for a place to be. And I, I, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, financially wealthy at the moment. Um, but I was looking for a nice place, secure place to, to hang my hat. And, um, Mostly wanted to have a good house for my dog. But um, the sandwich guy overheard me talking to somebody about it and said, I think I, I, I've got your house. And I could have just easily, one, not been open enough to talk to anybody about it. And two, certainly not been open enough to, you know, come on, the guy, the sandwich guy. Yeah, the sandwich guy. And uh, and I'm in this beautiful house. Uh, and. Um, and would surely have never known about it had I not been willing to let that synchronicity, allow that synchronicity to wash me over here to look at it. Well, that's, yeah, you use the, the word allow. I use that word a lot. You allow, you let go of whatever resistance might have presented itself. You know, uh, what's this guy know? He's just a sandwich guy or I don't need anybody. It's I can figure out on my own. All, all, and we are, you know, all this, this chatter, you let that go and you allowed someone to help you. And, and that's a very simple but powerful process because you've got to get past this, you know, this insecurity that a lot of people deny having, um, but it reveals itself. You know, when we, when we truly just open ourselves up 
and uh, love one another, and listen to one another, and accept one another, and, 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 and put judgment and uh, criticism uh, aside, um, which is a very common temptation for, for a lot of people. Um, we, we put it aside. And uh, what's interesting is the more we allow uh, help, and the more we offer help, by the way, this is, you know, it's, it's what we sell. The more we help people, uh, the more help comes our way. I, now, a lot of people think of this in a very linear way. Like, I do something nice for you, so now you need to do something nice for me. It's a, <laughs> you know, we, we look, and that's not how it works. Not the tip of that. It doesn't work that way. No. <laughs> no, I, you know, I do something nice for you, and I continue to do nice, something nice for you, and you may never turn around and return it. So there could be this perceived wedge or energy that positive giving energy is coming back to me somewhere, somehow, at some time. It's the perfect yin-yang balance of the universe. It's coming back. It's karma. So if I'm only looking for it to come back from you, I'm missing the picture. It's bigger than that. And that's where people struggle. You know, they, they go through a painful divorce and, you know, no matter how kind or gentle I am or how, you know, supportive I am to try to, you know, make it um, peaceful or whatever, my ex is making it really difficult on me. So this whole give and you shall receive thing is a bunch of hogwash and doesn't work in my case. And you're completely missing the point. If you continue to love, you continue to give, it's going to come back. All right? Just, that's where faith and trust and love come in. And uh, it may come back to you tenfold, but, but not from where you think it's coming from. Well, and it really puts limits You're on. You're hitting on so many valid points. Love it. Yeah. It, it. It really, it puts, you know, people have used that phrase, don't put handcuffs on God. Well, okay, universe, pick, pick a term. If if you stand in there staring at that other person, waiting for them to give it back to you, there could be three people standing around you trying to give to you, but you can't see them because you you're just looking at that one spot. And um, that's right. Um, of course, if people want a crash course, they can always just come to Costa Rica because the the help yeah. comes from the strangest places. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you guys did ask me something earlier that I wanted to, to also just share, um, you know, like who am I and, and you haven't met me before and things like that. And so I, I I like to introduce myself in sort of an unusual way. I just did this, uh, like I said, uh, I, I was speaking on Saturday night in uh, in New York at this uh, this big expo. And I, I put a slide up in front of everybody and I said, that, and it, it was just had some bullet points on it. It was all part of the introduction. And the first bullet point listed um, the words Murphy's Law. And I said to the audience, what do you think when you see those words, Murphy's Law? Anybody ever heard of Murphy's Law? And they said, uh, oh, yeah, you know, that's, if anything came wrong, it will. At the worst possible moment, that's Murphy's Law. It's like a curse. I said, yeah, you got that right. So now imagine your name's Murphy because that's my name. And, uh, and you grow up uh, learning about this law. The second bullet point on the slide was Friday the 13th. Has anybody ever, what do you think of uh, 
and see the term or hear the words Friday the 13th. You know, people said, well, that's a, like a curse. You know, it's like bad luck, superstition. You know, there's even movies and books, uh, scary movies and books about Friday the 13th. Yep. So now imagine your name's Murphy and you were born on Friday the 13th. Because uh, I was. And I would go on to the next bullet point, which is the terrible twos. Anybody familiar with the terrible twos? And uh, we, of course, you know, it, it, <laughs> you've got kids, you understand the terrible twos. That's when, you know, fearless kids looking for their independence or uh, setting things on fire and hell on wheels and whatever, doing this and that. I said, yep. Uh, <laughs> But I hear, okay, and I've got four children of my own, and, and I was I was hell on wheels. As in fact, uh, by the age of three, I'd almost killed myself twice. I had two near-death experiences by the age of three. And uh, so now imagine your name's Murphy. You're born on Friday the 13th, and you've almost killed yourself twice by the age of three. Do you see a pattern forming here? Do you see an opportunity <laughs> of second-guessing yourself, living life with doubt, worried about what's around every corner? You know, that kind of thing. And I went on to tell uh, a number of different stories because uh, I was told when I was 17 after a very serious foot accident, I ran my foot through a lawnmower that I'd never play football again. And football was a dream of mine at the time. In fact, we just won the state championship in Michigan and the recruiters were all out. And one of my dreams was to uh, to play at Notre Dame. And uh, now I'm in the hospital after six hours of surgery, and then a week later I had to have another four hours of surgery and basically put my foot back together. And then the doctors, uh, uh, an award-winning international surgeon, Alfred Swanson, told me, uh, son, your, your football career's over. You're going to be lucky to walk again without limping. And I'm very sorry. We've done everything we can. And uh, just to fast forward, uh, you know, my grandfather gave me a book while I was in the hospital, and it was a very inspiring book about a, a guy named Rocky Blyer who had destroyed his foot and leg quite uh, severely in Vietnam. Um, but mind over matter, returned to football with the Pittsburgh Steelers and won four Super Bowls. And I'm sitting in the hospital reading this book, and I just decided I can remember vividly, like it was yesterday, that uh, he can do it, I can do it. And uh, now keep in mind, here's a guy named Murphy, born Friday the 13th, you know, almost killed myself several times. <laughs> And uh, now I ran my foot through a lawnmower and my dreams are crushed. And uh, two years later, I was playing football at Notre Dame. So that's the pattern in my life. And I go on to, and I, and I write about this in the book Zentrepreneur. I've got a new book coming out soon called Half Full. And it, it, I share these experiences because a lot of times people look at me and they'll say, uh, well, you got it all. You know, you're, you're healthy, you're fit. You, you, you've got a great job, you're, you're in travel all over the world, you've written all these books, you, you know, uh, you make a lot of money, whatever. Um, and they don't realize that um, I've been dead broke, all right? I've been uh, crippled, so to speak. I've almost been dead a couple of times. Um, uh, my wife of 26 years suddenly decided she wanted something else and someone else and, and left me and... Uh, uh, it was quite shocking. I lost uh, my father, uh, you know, in a, in a painful way. And and so, you know, we all have these 
challenges in life. And we all have an opportunity to look at the glass, so to speak, and say it's half empty and the world's in trouble and the world's lousy and, you know, just look at all the crap that's going on here and there. You don't have to look far to find things wrong. But if you look at it just a little bit differently and everywhere you see something wrong, you see people helping out. You know, you see people helping out when there's a disaster, pitching in, dropping whatever it is they're doing to, to help, help people out, to give something. Everywhere you look, you see the perfect yin-yang balance, if you're looking for it. But it's just so easy to jump on the misery loves company bandwagon and miss it. So uh, the contrast that we have every day is beautiful. Because how in the world are we supposed to know what up means if we don't know what down means? It's impossible. We can't know what ease is without dis-ease. We can't know what right is without a perceived wrong. We just can't. We can't know what night is without day. So without contrast, we know nothing, and we learn nothing. And from a soul perspective, we're on this planet to learn. It's soul development. So we incarnate, and... We have some, we're here for a reason, uh, a karmic reason, and we need to learn and grow. And so this is the perfect place to do this. The earth, the world, is the perfect place to learn because of the contrast. And the worst thing we can do is put ourselves in some box and try to just play it safe. All right? Because that, that's when we grow old with a lot of regret and would-haves or should-haves or could-haves, um, I think that's imprisonment, imprisonment of the soul and uh, entrapment of the spirit. So I, I like to see people and help people recognize that uh, early enough in life where they can change it. By the way, not just individually, but organizationally, because companies do the same thing. I see it all the time where organizations um, treat people like they don't have any brains in their head and they're just robotic in nature and we just, just follow all the rules and do what the, you know, the scripts say and, and uh, it, it's just very rote. And uh, I love going into organizations and pulling teams together to say, let's, um, let's innovate, let's create, let's find better ways to do things. And I find anything but resistance to change in those situations. I find people excited about uh, channeling this creative energy. It's amazing to me how many people have brilliant ideas, but they have no way of getting them heard and expressed and, 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 and acted upon. So really my job as a consultant is to help clear barriers and obstacles out of the way and get people all throughout the organization, an audience with the senior leaders who can actually allow the changes to be made. And that's really exciting. That's what we refer to in business as culture change, where we go from these fearful, um, complacent, play-it-safe, siloed cultures where everybody has to just mind their own business to really energized dynamic, interdependent relationships where people are thinking win-win and growing and learning. And I find that boredom is probably the worst demotivator of all. People who are bored get in trouble. It doesn't matter how old they are. Right? (laughs) 
Works on me at 50, i got to tell you. <clears throat> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because that's kind of been my life pattern before, before I found um, myself, my creative self, before I, I gave in to my need to express that. When I was playing that societal game of, of being who everybody else wanted to be and not being who I really was, I would get bored, and every single time I've gotten bored, stuff goes wrong. Like planets blow up, it's just not good. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those situations where I can look back on my own personal history and go, okay, so this is, is priority one for me is avoiding boredom because that's when I self-destruct, and so I think that it's it's really kind of funny that you brought that up because it's not something that people touch on very often but it's true but it's sure and it's all around us you know you know you you watch it with kids you know and you you know if a kid is bored they tune out it doesn't matter if they're watching tv if the show's boring they tune out and then they look like a zombie sitting there but their mind is actually somewhere else take them to church if it's boring they tune out take them anywhere and just watch them, because if they're bored, they tune out. The truth is that's hap- that happens uh, all through life. We can pretend like we're interested. We can try to be interested. But the fact is, if it's boring, it's boring. So one of the things we have to, to, to learn to do, this is where we can use our creative uh, side, if you will. Um, I, do it, I do it every week you know, when I go into businesses. Look, we collect a lot of data. There's graphs and charts and, and analysis to be done. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of left brain kind of stuff. But the traditional consulting firm might come in and collect all this data and create a bunch of spreadsheets and hand you a binder that's uh, 100 pages thick um, and say, there, there's your analysis and, um, you know, here's what we recommend. And what I, what I found over 25 years of consulting is that a lot of those recommendations never get acted upon. They just sit in the binder. They go on a shelf. A lot of money changed hands, and nothing really changed. Nothing got done. And uh, not the best return on your investment. People will feel nothing. Clients and customers feel nothing. So what we do is we go in, and we basically form teams of people, not consultants doing it, but teams of, of, the, of the company's own people. And we do not use a lot of slides and PowerPoints and things like that. We use post-its and flip chart paper and get things up on the wall and draw maps and draw pictures. And then we have the senior leadership come in. We don't give them chairs. We tell them we want 20 minutes without interruption. And we're going to tell you a story about what's really going on around here. And we bring the data to life. We play tape recordings of clients calling in and, and, um, and experiencing lousy customer service. We play videos. We bring it to life so that it's anything but boring. In fact, it's shocking. It's absolutely shocking. And guess what happens? We motivate change. The team is motivated. The senior management is motivated. In fact, it's an awakening. It's, a, it, it's an awakening. And it's, it's not handing you a stack of spreadsheets to go sort through on your own time. It's summarizing that in the most powerful way where you're hitting people not just in the head, but you're hitting them in the heart. And you're creating emotional intelligence and movement. And the root word of motivation is movement. So 
if you really want to move people in a positive direction and move change, you've got to create that emotional, compelling desire. And when you do that collectively as a team, there is no resistance. <laughs> that resistance is all in the ignorance and misunderstanding and misalignment where we start you know, aiming at each other rather than the waste in the system or the, the stupidity in the system. And when we start all aiming at the waste and the stupidity, stupidity rather than one another, it's amazing what gets done. And very, very exciting, very empowering. And then people want to do more. They, you know, they're asking for more. So one of the questions that I get quite frequently from senior management is this experience was so moving and so powerful. How do we keep it going? How do we keep the, the momentum and the motivation alive? And my answer is, Keep doing it. This isn't a one-time event. Do it again and again and again. Believe me, there's no end to it. Because as soon as we think we're done, um, we could be done. All right? But the, the world is, is, is not stopping. So if I come up with the world's best Six Sigma eight-track tape player, who wants it? All right? We've moved on. I come up with the world's best cell phone 10 years ago. Cell phone? What's that? We want smartphones. In fact, we want phones that drive us home on Friday nights, okay, or Saturdays. We want, can, you, can, your, can your phone levitate? You know, the, 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 uh, the world now is asking questions we never thought possible uh, just 20 years ago. All right, so... I, I was uh, giving a, a workshop out at Tesla Motors uh, a week ago out in California, three months out in California. I don't know if you're familiar with Tesla, but Tesla has got a uh, an all-electric car right now. It's phenomenal. This awesome is a, an all-electric car. It, it's just gorgeous. Let's Google it. It's incredible. It goes from zero to 60 in 4.2 seconds. So things like a rocket. And... Uh, it, it never, ever goes to a gas station. It's 100% electric. It goes over 200 miles on a charge. The electronics are incredible. It's synced to your iPhone or to your Droid. Um, you know, you can start it from wherever with your phone. You can change the radio stations with your phone. It's, it's, uh, it's totally interactive. I mean, the car had a good chance to test drive. It's un absolutely unbelievable. And when you start to think about... Um, no more gas stations? Seriously? <laughs> that's, a whole, that's a whole different frontier. A whole different animal. world. It's a whole different animal. So, you know, and it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I, I, I think about things like uh, if you just visualize yourself sitting on your couch 10 years ago wanting to watch a movie that's not on television, what's the process? Well, step one, I've got to get off the couch. Step two, I've got to go find my keys, drive to the blockbuster store, browse the shelves, hopefully find the movie, stand in line, check out, maybe buy a few things I don't really need, but they're there and what the heck, drive home, you know, uh, load the machine, sit down, push the button, hope it works, and watch my movie. If you, if you map that all out, and this is what I do with companies as a, as a business consultant, you map that process out. And by the way, you can do this at home. You don't have to map it out, but you can study any process and say, you know, where's the waste in this process? Where's the... Where's the wasted time, wasted energy, wasted cost? Um, we can map that all out. And if we just uh, fast forward 
the present times, there are innovators now saying, guess what? You'd never have to leave the couch. Just click on uh, on demand or click on uh, Netflix or something like that. By the way, where's Blockbuster today? So that's the point about the world of hurt. world's changing. Yeah, a world of hurt. So, and and that means a lot of good people working for that company, um, trying to figure out what do I do now. And um, so we we if we're incidentally, I mean that was a very successful company uh, for many years, right? Um, you can say the same thing about a, a Borders Books. Um, you take Jeff Bezos at Amazon.com. He's a guy that's uh, reinvented the whole book distribution industry, essentially, with Amazon, and um, is now reinventing it all over again with uh, e-books. You know, because with an e-book, there's no paper, there's no print, there's no trucking it across the country or air freight. You know, so from a carbon footprint, green perspective, it's far superior. Uh, from uh, what, how much money does it cost to, to buy the book? It's cheaper for the reader. And it's a higher profit for the retailer, the distributor, the author, and the publisher. Win, 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 win. Now, why would Amazon innovate uh, a Kindle that essentially puts their old business model out of business sooner or later? Why would they do that? And the answer is because if we don't, someone else will. We can't be complacent. We've got to continue to ask leading edge, breaking new ground kind of questions. And incidentally, that's exciting. People like that when you you get them involved up front in being part of the solutions rather than suffering as part of the problem later on. So, right, right. You know, back to Zentrepreneur, that's what Zentrepreneurs do. I think, you know, when I think of, uh, you know, world famous Zentrepreneurs, I think about people like uh, Jeff Bezos at, at Amazon um, and, and just constantly uh, looking for ways to... Uh, Make things uh, better, faster, lower cost, more user friendly for people, and um, and being rewarded for it handsomely. Well, we've yeah. we've actually steamed right on past our uh, our halfway point, but that happens to us often because we get into such awesome conversations. Uh, but we do need to take a quick break, um, and when we come back, I I want to focus a little more on that point you made earlier. You were talking about companies that companies all started with innovation and change. And um, uh, because I think that's part of what leads to these people that, that are so robotic and unhappy in their jobs is they went there because they wanted to be part of something that was innovative and changeful. And that's not, then they found Kodak that invented the digital camera, <laughs> yeah. digital imaging. And, yeah. and, and yet they, they kind of looked at it and said, yeah, yeah, but you know, film's better. So, well, sure, right then it was, but they kind of missed the boat because yeah. they, had, they had a head start on everybody. And it is That's an right. odd curiosity that these innovative change makers that launch some of these companies somewhere along the way lose that creative energy. So I'd love to talk to you about that as well and how even sure. small business people perhaps that are listening could could tap into ways that would prevent their business from going down that road. Well, yeah, I'd love to talk about that for sure. All right, perfect. Um, 
goodness, music for music for this. We did Jordan's Don't Know, I guess, on our last show. What about Anyhow? It's really appropriate. Anyhow. Could anyhow work. Do it, do it anyhow. All right. Absolutely. Cool. So we'll have another selection from our dear friend Jordan Okren that you can find at jordanokrand.com. I was just commenting back and forth with him on on uh, Facebook today because I posted something about Asheville. He said, my folks live there. And I said, yeah, and your dad's going to be joining us next month. So, see, you got more Okren to look for. <laughs> so whole, whole family is really pretty cool, you know. They are. Mom's the artist. Super Dad, talented. Very cool. Amazing folks. Um, but we'll be back with more uh, from John Murphy right after this. So stay with us, folks.
Welcome back, everybody. Again, that was our dear friend, Jordan Okren. And, um, you know, if you've appreciated his music and you're thinking, what, where in the world does somebody that creative come from? Well, we're going to have his dad here coming up in just a week or two. So you're going to have to stay tuned with the Everyday Connected. Stay connected with the Everyday Connected. Actually, his dad and his mom, because yeah. they have co-created a book. Oh, mom's coming with him? Oh, cool. Because we've yeah, had both yeah, mom but- and dad on. It's the only whole family nuclear unit that we've ever had on the show, I think, individually. It's, it's really quite fascinating. Yeah, mom and dad, uh, mom took her artistic ability, and dad took his ability as a pen friend, and they got together, and they wrote a, a fantastically motivational book. Just awesomeness. Just awesomeness. Absolutely. Love those Okran folks. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, just before the break, we were we were kind of touching on it. Um, you know, this whole idea of, of companies really, mostly. I mean, yeah, you can open a hardware store at the corner, and because there's not one in your town, and you're not maybe innovating, you think. But but so many great businesses have started with an absolutely groundbreaking, earth-changing, creative idea and and innovation. And then they find themselves not long later having to having to hire someone like you to to say where did it go? So I, I guess that's kind of the question: where did it go? How did they get in that? Well, it's um, it's a great question because uh, so often, and I've said this earlier, um, we get in our own way and we don't even realize it. Um, so so often the original entrepreneur, if you will, the founder of the company, becomes the, the barrier. They become the obstacle, the constraint to, to, to advancement. Um, so, you know, this is why guys like Bill Gates said, you know what, I need somebody else to run this company. Um, I'll still be the, uh, you know, the creative director. I'll still be involved, but I need, uh, I'm not the guy to run the, the business side of things. Um, so I need to bring in somebody, you know, like a Steve Ballmer. Um, you see that a lot, you know, where um, the, the original founder, uh, if they really want to grow the business, realizes their, their own personal strengths and weaknesses and that they're good at getting things started, but not necessarily at maintaining things and, um, and, and managing um, for, for higher growth. So, again, it's back to balance. We've talked about that earlier. Um, it's why, you know, in the book, Zentrepreneur, the subtitle is Get Out of the Way and Lead. And it's intended to say to people, um, take a good look at yourself. Are you in the way? 
because I see that all the time, um, where leaders actually are in the way. They, they slow things down. They, there are too many levels of approval, too many holdups for uh, meetings and uh, signatures and such, too many reports, uh, a lot of micromanagement. And uh, so get out of the way and lead. And the second part of the subtitle is create a culture of innovation and fearlessness. So get back to what got you started. And uh, what happens with a lot of companies is they get bigger and bigger and bigger. They buy into the division of labor you know, paradigm, which is divide and divide and divide into specialties. So we've got a specialty for everything. And one specialty has no idea necessarily what's going on with the other specialty. And so we get all these handoffs and we get all this um, noise in the system, all this disruption. You know, so it takes us nine weeks to do something that should take nine hours. And, uh, and that, that's actual data. I mean, I see that all the time. 184 days to make a vitamin tablet. That's actual data. Over a course of 14.2 miles, that's actual data. How in the world can it take 14 miles to make a vitamin tablet in 184 days? The actual work is, is it's a matter of hours. But that's how cumbersome some companies have, have become. And by the way, these are very large companies where, well, we just do one little thing and then we put it in a warehouse for a month and then we do uh, one more little thing and then we put it back in the warehouse for a month then we have to send it to the lab and that takes three weeks. Um, and uh, it, it's just all of these little piecemeal pieces of the puzzle, but putting the whole puzzle takes um, an excessively long time. And guess who's paying for that, by the way? The customer. Always. You know, why is it taking me so long? Yeah. And uh, because all of that waste in the system costs money. It's not free. So somehow it's got to get built into the price. Somebody's paying for it. And uh, we, we just complicated things. So, you know, it's like Einstein once said, any intelligent fool can make things bigger and more complex. It takes a touch of genius and a lot of courage to move in the opposite direction. So I see that all the time. I see intelligent people making things bigger and more complicated. You know, we add and we add and we add. And pretty soon um, we've lost sight of the business we're in. We don't even know who our customers are and what they really want. It's be, be, that you got, if you want to know that, you got to go talk to somebody in, in marketing. Or you got to go talk to somebody in service or sales. Um, the average person has no idea who their customers are and what they really want and what they don't want. And um, so to, to get back to uh, how do we return to the very um, fire and fuel and innovation and creativity Activity that got the company started, we've got to start getting back to some very fundamental questions. Um, for example, like wh why do we do this? Just the question, why? Why do we do this activity? Is the customer paying for this? Is this really adding value? And what we start to find by asking just some simple yet profound questions is that a lot of the activity going on in, in, in the businesses is of no value whatsoever. It's just come up up out of the years, you know, we, uh, and I, I can't give specific data of its proprietary from clients, but I can give you um, facts that are, uh, uh, are are true, but I just, without revealing where they're coming from, but, um, you know, reports, um, dozens and dozens of reports that are created 
and distributed, and no one reads them. When you actually dig in and find out who do, who does what with these reports, we find out. Um, well, that's a report that we started years ago, and actually that person that started it's not even here anymore, and we don't, uh, I don't know who uses that report. So when we go out and try to find out, nobody does. But for years, these things continue to go on and on and on, and because it's like closet space, we don't throw away anything old or give it away, take it to goodwill. Um, for some reason, we think we still made it, but we add. So we keep adding more and more stuff. Pretty soon we, just, we convince ourselves we need what? More closets. All right? Geez, we need more closets. The bigger closets anyways. And so I, I, I find the closet space syndrome is going on all the time. That we've got uh, people doing it with time, by the way, as well. I don't have time. Well, why don't we have time? Uh, there isn't enough. Well, guess what? There's the same amount every day. You know, uh, there's 24 hours in a day. That's, that, that's not a variable. And um, so what are we doing with the time? It's the closet space. We're filling it up with a bunch of junk. We're filling it up with a bunch of clutter, a bunch of non-value added. And then, we're, and then we've convinced ourselves that there, there just isn't enough time to do certain things that really matter or really make a difference. Uh, I mean, who's got time to meditate? Who's got time to exercise? Who's got time to, to learn um, about important things and, and uh, spend time with, with important relationships and things like that? Um, we get we we just get the the life sucked out of us because we've somehow convinced ourselves that there isn't enough time, there isn't enough space, there isn't enough money. Um, there just isn't enough. It's what what I often refer to as a a scarcity consciousness. That there's it, whenever you hear the word lack, it's, it, it, it the scarcity, yeah. scarcity consciousness is revealing it's revealing itself. There's a lack of this. There's a lack of that. Let me tell you something. There's no lack of anything. There's no lack. It's, it's all an illusion. We have plenty of food on this planet. We have plenty of time. We have plenty of brain power, plenty of creativity. We've got all, all we need. The work that, what there is is an imbalance. There's a serious imbalance, but there's no lack. And once we start to understand the law of abundance rather than the illusion of scarcity, um, that we, we are living in abundance. And once we know how to tap that abundance, that great currency, that great flow, the Tao, we learn how to tap it, channel it, and use it um, to build stronger relationships and healthier products, healthier foods, um, better, better preventive systems, you know, health, true health care systems, not sick care systems. It's powerful. It's amazing. No, it is. And it, 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 it is somehow become so easy to get buried in these things of the, well, we started that report. We've been, that, that, they were doing that report when I got hired. It's just what, we just do that. We have a whole department that generates that report and, and distributes it. And, you know, and like you say, nobody, it's not of any use anymore. And, um, um, and where we, exactly where we got into that, you know, scarcity thing of keep everything and, that was another of my moving to Costa Rica. I, I don't. I have three suitcases. I don't have any closets anymore. I don't have any, you know. And um, and the truth is, I've discovered that I really probably could have done it with two suitcases because I've still got stuff that I, I just move around from suitcase to suitcase now. <clears throat> so time <laughs> yeah, to get, the, time to get bigger suitcases. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's 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 simple. You've, you've learned to let go of certain things. 
you know, I remember my first uh, uh, promotion in, in management before I went into consulting. This is now 30 years ago. But I, I, I went into a job, uh, and as part of that job, I, I, I soon realized that I inherited 41 reports uh, per week. I got 41 reports every week sent to me that uh, apparently I was supposed to read and do something with. And, uh, you know, so I started to sort through and figure out what are all these reports all about. And um, make a long story short, I discovered that there were only four I really cared about. And uh, I didn't want the other 37, but I did want one that didn't exist. I wanted a fifth report. So here was my uh, proposal to what uh, at the time we called the data processing department. I want to save some trees. Now, this is 30 years ago, so it's a little ahead of its time. I want to uh, suppress a whole lot of paper and printing and such and, and kill these 37 reports. They mean nothing to me. And I have better ways to find out what's really going on, like getting off my butt and walking out into the uh, facilities and actually talking to people and listening to people and such. Um, so I want to get rid of 37 reports. I want to keep these four, but I want this new one. It's, it's called a balanced scorecard. It's a, a dashboard. It tells me it's like looking at the dashboard of your automobile or the cockpit of an airplane. It gives you key indicators that really tell you in a quick snapshot what's what's working and what isn't. Are we out of balance anywhere? And uh, so I, I wanted this dashboard. Uh, and the data processing department told me at the time and I, uh, that it would take three years to get that done because they were so busy. And I just had to laugh. <laughs> I said, three years? Are you kidding me? <laughs> what in the world are you doing oh, wow. for the next three years? Oh, well, we need wow. more staff. We need more. We need more. We need more. Um, and they were operating, of course, with that illusion of scarcity, and we need more, and we're all so busy, and we're, all, we're generating all these reports, and we need more programmers, and blah, blah, blah. And... and uh, Six months later, um, a lot had changed. Uh, let's just put it that way: that we, you know, that that, that answer wasn't um, wasn't the, the the smartest answer, and that what we really needed to do was find ways to eliminate certain obstacles and get better flow. And um, so we actually recruited and brought on board some some uh, some innovative people um, that knew how to get those kinds of things done and done a lot faster. And uh, it, it changed the whole shape, if you will, and culture of what we call data processing at that time. And um, you know, we started to migrate from that big mainframe, you know, IBM uh, systems to desktops and eventually laptops, you know, and a whole different, a whole different uh, approach to, to information technology. And uh, if the world's seen it, it, change anywhere in the last 10, 20, 30 years, it's certainly been in that field. It seems like such an insane answer to me because I'm listening to you say, I want you guys to stop doing these 37 reports and give me this one other report. And for somebody to tell you that they don't have time to stop doing the 37 reports and give you one report, it just seems insane. It seems like... Oh, exactly. seems like they should all be yeah, celebrated. On, on on this great work reduction they're going to enjoy, but it, it yeah. but it's true. I worked in a I worked in a large corporate framework and um, was responsible for like one unit of many 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 units in the in the company and and I would do things like you know well I need to replace this pump 
and and they would say, well, what do you mean you need to replace that pump? None of the other vessels have replaced that pump. They just fix it. And I said, well, yeah, but we've been doing yeah. that for eight years, and, you know, we, we're going to have to replace this, or we're going to have a, a full failure. It's not just a little thing on the side that, oh, no, no, we'll have to put that in the budgetary process, and you'll have to submit a thing to the committee, and you'll have to do this. And, and you know, a week of runaround just to find out how I could do what needed to be done, and and in that week, um, the pump's still down there trying to run, and, and, and it was only about another week later that the, the whole thing failed. And then we had a customer, oh, yeah. we had a client who was furious. You know, I pay hundreds of thousands of dollars a day for this vessel and it's supposed to work and that's your job. And, you know, and, and so the client's not happy. Management's not happy because now they got to get the pump on an emergency run delivery. And oh, oh, how do we find one? There's only one and it's in Sweden. And, you know, it, it just it, 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 it boggles the mind the amount of money that's spent because you can't get something small done. And, um, oh, yeah. um, or, you know, boggles the mind, the amount of useful information you can't have because, you know, you, you can't possibly go out and walk around the office and talk to people. You got 41 reports to get through, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think one of the most important things that we have to do as is, is, is leaders, as um, innovators, as entrepreneurs, is, is, is really practice the art of questioning, thoughtful, contemplative questioning. And so, you know, with the book's Entrepreneur, each chapter begins with a question, a contemplative question. And the first chapter is called, What If? The entrepreneurs wonder and ask and contemplate, what if? You know, what if I try this? What if I take this risk? What if I start a business? I, I asked that question in 1988 when I started my business. What if I write a book? I've asked that uh, question a lot of times. You know, what if I uh, uh, start a workshop? What if I um, try uh, a, a different approach to marketing? What you know? What if? What if? What if? And when we open the mind, and then when we open the with questions. And we simply contemplate the various answers that we get, um, and, and we have to be clever about who we ask, because we want to ask a, a, a variety of people, not just people who are yes people. Um, you know, good friends that just you know want to be be nice to us. Um, we, we learn a lot. Chapter two is why. Chapter three is why not. So when we ask why and why not, when we look at the same thing from two different angles, two different perspectives. It opens the mind. It helps us see all the reasons why we should do it and the reasons why we shouldn't. It helps us assess the risk. When we ask how, how are we going to do it? That's where the rubber meets the road. Right? A lot of people know what they want and they know why they want it. They know why it's important. They have no idea how to do it. If we don't know how, we're stuck. You know, that's the start. We, 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 we lose. We have to ask the question, who? Who can help us? And I like to say wise people pay attention to wise people. Let's be very careful about who we listen to um, and, and the credibility of the resources that we tap. You know, if we ask somebody who's um, uh, terribly unhealthy and out of shape um, their secrets to fitness, it doesn't make any sense at all, right? But we're, we're, we're hearing advice from people all around us uh, with no credibility whatsoever, they're quick to offer us 
advice and tips. And, and in many cases, we listen. And um, But there's, there's no uh, credibility, and that's very key. So we have to ask, who can help us? Who can help balance out my, my limitations? Great entrepreneurs have done this for many years. Who, who can I tap to help counterbalance me so that we've got balance in the equation and balance in the business? And then we get into questions um, and, and comments and things like um, what I call the yeah buts. We do run into resistance. People say, yeah, it's a great idea, but you know, it'll never work for these reasons. Yeah, but you're not smart enough. You're too old. You're too young. Yeah, but you know, you don't have this or that or the other things. And so we have to be prepared for the yeah buts. We have to anticipate them. And the yeah buts can be very helpful. Because maybe they're, uh, maybe we're learning something, that, uh, a potential risk that we hadn't considered. So as entrepreneurs are very awake and aware of the forces against them, against us, uh, so that we can come up with countermeasures, you know, um, ways ways to offset them. And so the book goes on and on about these these relatively simple questions. And in, in each chapter, there's I, I give examples of how I've applied it through a whole lot of different life circumstances. So it's not just about business, it's about life, about relationships. It's about really, uh, it's about finding uh, peace and, and, and prosperity and joy and well-being in, in life, um, letting go of stress and, and, and uh, doubt and resistance and guilt and grief, some of the things that weigh us down. Because it, it goes so far beyond business. Um, that you're you're talking about things that look at our education system, look at our government, look at our health care system with all the red tape and and all the excess stuff that's being done for absolutely no reason other than to do that one great, wonderful thing that politicians always drill into our heads that we must accomplish, which is create more jobs. Uh, it, it, it can get very frustrating when you look at the system. I mean, try and call your phone service and, and get something done or even pay a bill these days. It can be very daunting. So oh, yeah. you're talking yeah. about a methodology that is is part of that massive shift in consciousness that society is experiencing right now really because that's what it's all about it's about simplifying things bringing them down to a more human level and and that balance that you speak of so often and finding that balance within our own lives so that we can live it externally once we found it internally well exactly and it's really about challenging you know, paradigms and beliefs that we've all grown up with. For example, you know, I, I remember thinking myself and hearing over and over again as I was growing up that if you want to be successful, you have to work hard. Well, guess what? If you believe that, you're going to work hard if you want to be successful. You're going to put those two things together to say, well, yeah, of course, to, to be successful, you have to work hard. Um, but that's not true. I mean, it, a lot of people are very successful without working hard. They work smart. And uh, as long as we believe that you got to work harder, you got to work faster, you got to do more, um, it's it's maddening 
uh, actually. You know, pretty soon uh, we're working 14 hours a day, and, and then, you know, somebody's going to figure out a way to try to work 25 hours a day. I'd love to see that. But, um, you know, the, 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 the whys uh, is, you know what, um, maybe there's a way for me to work a lot less and accomplish a lot more. It's, it's paradoxical. In fact, counterintuitive. So I think it's a wonderful question to contemplate. How can I accomplish more by doing less? How can I go faster by moving slower? Now, those don't sound like they make very much sense, those questions, but indeed they're profound because um, we're finding ways to move much faster in many businesses, and I've, I've, I've found this in my own life, move much faster by actually working slower and moving slower and a much more relaxed, much more peaceful frame of mind um, and uh, accomplishing far more with a lot less effort. So, I mean, that's the genius that, that Einstein was talking about. That's moving in the opposite direction. Any intelligent fool can make things bigger and more complex. We could substitute that for any intelligent fool can work harder and faster. It takes a touch of genius to work smarter, slower, less, and accomplished a lot more. Uh, but because it's paradoxical and counterintuitive, most people don't get it. It just doesn't make any sense. And uh, I find great value in helping people um, step outside that box. Um, that, you know, we all, have, we all live in boxes. We all live in paradigms, these, these mental models. I like to think of it like... Um, if we're not careful, they're like computer viruses. You know, we run on programs. And from the age of zero to six, we're, you know, children are in a theta frequency. It's a very high-frequency, meditative-type, absorbable frequency. We're like sponges. And we're learning all kinds of stuff at a very rapid pace. It's just download, 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 download from our parents, our siblings, our friends, our aunts and our uncles, and the environment itself and the energy around us. It's just download, download, download. And pretty soon, you know, by the age of 7, 8, 10, 12, um, these downloads have become subconscious programs. They're habits. They're part of our habitual mind now. We don't even know they're there because they're subconscious. They're beneath our immediate awareness or consciousness. And all of a sudden, we're wondering, why are we afraid to, to uh, reach out and meet someone new? Why are we afraid to uh, raise our hand in class? Why are we afraid to speak up? Why are we afraid to take a risk? Um, you know, why do we have these tendencies, these habits? Um, why do we get uh, impatient in these circumstances? They're all downloads. And so if we're not careful and we're operating our life on these downloads, um, these are, by the way, the, the subconscious mind is over a million times more powerful than the conscious mind. When you measure it from a scientific data perspective, the conscious mind can process about 40 bytes of data per second. The subconscious mind can process over 40 million bytes of data per second. It's not even close. So if we're running on subconscious programming, and because it's subconscious, we're not even aware of what it is, and it's governing most of our life. Over 98% of our life is governed by the subconscious habitual minds, what some call our autopilot. Uh, it's no wonder we, we're... Uh, we're running on a treadmill and not getting anywhere, or we're afraid, or we're going through life with the brakes on. So we have to look carefully at our tendencies to uncover what are those subconscious thoughts that we're and beliefs that we're running, 
I like, again, I like to call them some of them mental viruses because when we have a virus on the computer, we've got to hit the delete button. We've got to clean it out. Or we're just not going to run efficiently and we're going to get you know, frozen. And when we start to do that as, as human beings and as organizations, uh, whether we've got 50 employees or 50,000, um, and we really start to experience what can be uh, true flow, it's phenomenal and very exciting. Oh, it, it really is, and I'm so so glad you mentioned it because one of the things that um, for anybody listening to the show today, and and they're absorbing this wealth of information that you have shared in a really short time. Now, he, here's the proof of how well this works. Rick and I came to this idea of we're not going to be an interview show. We're not going to have a list of pre prepared questions. We are not going to do research on the guests. We are going to ask one question and open the door for a free-flowing conversation and see what happens. Since we have done that, we have yet to have a show that has not been absolutely brilliant and full of valuable information for our listeners. And I don't think that if we had that list of, of planned out questions that we would get anywhere close to as in depth as we're able to get when we just sit back and let it let it go. So we took that took that idea that we were told this is how you do a show, this is how you do an interview, and we threw it out the window completely and said, No, we're not gonna play that way. And it works. And people listening will know it works because they've just Listen to 90 minutes of brilliance. Absolutely. All off of one question. One question. Well, again, it's that box. You know, uh, pre-prepared questions have pre-prepared answers, and you might as well just, you know, not show up and play a tape or something because it's it's all going to be the same. <laughs> you know, hey, we're interviewing so-and-so tonight, but he was interviewed last week, so we're just going to play that for you because they covered everything. But what? You can't do that. And um, uh, we want to be sure that everybody knows how to uh, how to find you and 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 find your book because and the book they need to be able I to like defrag to their defrag the hard drive of their mind, their business, and their life. Absolutely. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, there, the, my latest book is, of course, Entrepreneur, and uh, you can just type a Z in front of the word Entrepreneur on Amazon or on Barnes and Noble. Um, and it'll pop right up first page as entrepreneur. Um, you can you can also find it in your bookstores, of course, and uh, you can find uh, find it along with um, uh, many of my other books on my website, which is uh, www.venturemanagementconsultants.com. So that's venture as in nothing ventured, nothing gained. And uh, venturemanagementconsultants.com also gives your you know your listeners uh, more information on. Um, uh, other things that I, that I do, other things I offer, and other books I've written. In fact, one of the books I, I referenced as part of it tonight is a, it's a book called Beyond Out, Four Steps to Inner Peace. And that book won uh, Best Inspirational Book of the Year in Canada um, in 2010, awarded by All Books Review out of Toronto. So uh, a, a very uh, exciting book and, and, and inspiring book. And um, 
a lot of that was actually channeled. I mean, I channeled that a lot of that book uh, while I was working in France. Um, but Ventrepreneur is a new one um, and, and getting a lot of very positive attention. I think people are curious about the, the title and the application. Um, and people can also learn a little bit more about something I have called the Let Go Now workshop. And that's at letgonow.info. And Let Go Now. Uh, that info will, will, will reveal um, a process that we use for letting go. You know, uh, again, we our catchphrase there is if you got baggage, bring it, uh, because we use a variety of, of energy techniques to help people really clear uh, bottlenecks and constraints in their brains and their energy systems and um, in their minds. And uh, again, we often get in our own way. And so one of my um, daily uh, missions is to help people just clear baggage, clear obstacles, clear resistance out of their way uh, so the flow can do as it's meant to do. Right on. Perfect way yeah. to end a show. And a brilliant show at that, really jam-packed. Everybody listen twice. Yeah. <laughs> Take Something notes. from nothing, right? <laughs> Something from nothing. There you go. Yep. See? Yep. I knew I was resting today for a That's right. And it's really about flow and free flow. And the fact that um, it's, you, know, you can't pre-plan everything. And even when you try, and I'll close with this, because I, I learned a lot growing up in, in sports and in, in, um, in competitive sports. And I, and I was a quarterback. And and, you know, we'd practice all week long, and you'd call a play, and you'd practice that play during the week. And then in the game, you call a play, and you walk up to the line of scrimmage, and the truth is you don't know what's going to happen. You, you, you have an idea of what you want to happen. You've planned it. You've practiced it. But life is uncertain, and I use that as a metaphor for life. And so we need to be present every day, and we need to be practiced. And we need to continue to to exercise and discipline ourselves to be prepared. But every day is a new adventure. Every day is there's uncertainty. And the more we can become comfortable with uncertainty because we have faith and we have prepared and we feel good and we feel ready, um, and we let that fear go, um, that's the only way we can truly experience flow is by letting go of the very things that get in its way. So I leave the readers with that uh, and the listeners with that. Just uh, let go uh, to let flow. Love it. Love it. Absolutely. And, of course, we'll also uh, find links to all of this. That may be where you're listening from now is on our website at everydayconnection.me. Because, well, it's all about me, um, no matter which one of us me's is reading that. And um, uh, there will be links there to the websites and, uh, and direct to the book. And, and uh, uh, I, gosh, just after 90 minutes, I highly recommend it. I'm looking forward to uh, – I'm going to get it. What can I say? Got to have it. And uh, so that's going to be awesome. And I want to really thank you, John, for – sharing your time, talent, and treasure with us uh, this evening and with the world. Uh, it's awesome stuff. Well, thank you both for having me on the show tonight. I really do appreciate it. Awesome. Oh, it's a lot of fun. 
All right, everybody. So uh, it'll be after before this is posted, but we hope you had a great uh, Halloween and uh, that you will join us again next time. But until then. To our mother, to each other, and especially to yourselves, stay connected. Have a great now, everybody. Join Gene and Rick again next time. Until then, visit their website at everydayconnection.me and subscribe for news and updates. Stop by their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection and join the conversation. You can also subscribe on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. Ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See Jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See Jared.com slash price match for details.